the greatest hits ever made, played by legendary top 40 personalities, Steve Taylor, Ted Randall, Grant Hudson, Big Jim Edwards, and I'm Jeff Lawrence, welcoming you to the world of international broadcasting. Sending out the greatest hits ever made on shortwave, WTWW. Welcome to the Digicom Cafe, located at the intersection of faith and technology. We hope you enjoy your cafe experience where we cater to your digital and spiritual appetites and build interest in the amateur radio hobby, one story at a time. Please stand by as we get ready to launch this episode of Radio on the Rocks. You are about to listen to a Radio on the Rocks cafe cast with your host, Denny J, K5DCC, in the Digicom Cafe Communications Network. Enjoy and participate in Denny's reality radio activities of the day in this dynamic cafe cast as he builds each daily episode, segment by segment, with amateur radio contacts, interviews, nets and interesting news from around the world. Now grab a glass and fill it up with some radio on the rocks. Good morning, Cafeers. It is Tuesday, January 14th, 2020, 9.30 in the morning, and uh, here in the Ozarks, it is 39 degrees and cloudy. Started off today with a little bit of fog, uh, but I think it's going to maybe clear up this afternoon and warm up even warmer than yesterday, back in the mid to upper 50s, which is going to be great. And uh, I'm going to take advantage of this warm weather and go out and work a satellite or two today. Uh, it's going to be a busy day. This evening we have the first amateur radio club meeting for our area of the decade. Uh, the NARS group. That's the Northwest Arkansas Amateur Radio Society. And I've decided this year I'm going to commit to getting involved in it and help building interest in amateur radio among the many hams we have in our county here, Boone County, Arkansas. According to the uh, QRZ records, there are over 250 hams in this county most of them not active. I think many of them probably got their license because they come from the prepper mindset and just want to have some backup communications just in case. I know many of them have their little radios from what I hear but don't really know how to use them. So uh, we're going to get involved and see what we can do to build up our club and provide some training and some encouragement and support for many of the new hams in our county. I wonder what you're doing in your county. Are you a member of an amateur radio club? Uh, if not, maybe you want to give it some thought, maybe just for the fellowship, if nothing else, to uh, hang out with people of like mind and uh, passion for communications and amateur radio. I hope your club spends some time reaching out to the young people. Uh, the young people are the future of amateur radio, so we need to be good Elmers and help them out. Uh, in fact, this morning I just got an email from Neil Rapp. That's all, all about Yoda Month. That was last December or started in December, and it was a success in the Americas. I'm just going to read this for you, in case you haven't seen this. Youth-operated amateur radio stations in the Western Hemisphere contribute 12,000-plus QSOs to the worldwide special event celebrating youth in amateur radio during the month of December. December Yoda Month 2019 was a great success in the Americas. 18 operators under the age of 25 utilized special event call signs to promote youth in amateur radio here in the Americas. Here in the U.S., we reserved four one-by-one special event call signs, K8Y, K8O, K8T, and K8A. 
And by the way, those last letters of each of those one-by-one call signs stands for Yoda, in case you didn't notice. Fifteen youth operators across the U.S. rotated these calls throughout December. They made 10,474 QSOs using single sideband, CW, digital modes, and satellites. Some operators used the call signs during contests, such as CW Ops, CWTs, Phone Fray, FT Roundup, and the RAC Winter Contest. We asked U.S. operators for their favorite aspect of Yoda Month. Mason, KM4SII, said, Operating-wise, it was definitely the pileups. I love a good pileup. Apart from that, it was great getting to be a part of a group of youngsters that are all into the hobby. Even though we weren't physically working together, we all got to be part of the Yoda program over the air. Audrey, KM4BUN, says, My favorite part of Yoda Month was getting the wonderful experience of talking to other youth all over the world and sharing our experiences. Me and my brother both were wonderfully surprised every time we got a call back from a fellow youth who was eager and excited to be there. It gives us hope to know the future of amateur radio is in the hand of these great kids. In Canada, David, VE7DZO, signed VE7 Yoda. He made 458 QSOs on CW. He said, My favorite part was seeing all the Yoda stations on the air throughout December and seeing all the high-energy youth activity. Matthias, CE2LR of Chile, activated XR2 Yoda. He even met another youth operator from Chile, Manu, CA3MPR, through Yoda Month. They made 1,535 QSOs on CW, single sideband, and digital modes. Matthias said, It was great to meet Manu, CA3MPR, and work many friends. Youth from the Americas had a lot of fun spreading the word about youth and amateur radio, and in total made 12,467 QSOs in the process. The event was a great prelude for the first ever camp to be hosted in the Western Hemisphere in June. Bryant Rascal, KG5HVO, coordinated the efforts of the 17 operators and the logs for the U.S. stations. I learned much during the month about the importance of teamwork and communication, just like baseball, Bryant said about his role as coordinator. I think Yoda Month was a great success considering the short amount of time we had to plan this all out. I had a lot of fun operating this event, but it was even more rewarding to see other youth here in the Americas make tons of QSOs during December. As part of his responsibilities, Bryant also managed Logbook of the World accounts for the U.S. stations. The QRZ.com pages for all the call signs maintained an operator schedule, worked with Yoda Month manager Tommy, H-A-8-R-T, and reported in the Yoda Camp Committee in the Americas. Globally, almost 129,000 contacts were logged using 48 call signs, all operated by hams under the age of 26. 2,569 operators, both youth and non-youth, requested and received an award based on the number of Yoda contacts made as of January 14th. Statistics are available at events.ham-yoda.com. Jack, KM4ZIA, operates AO92 during a shift as K8Y from his McElroy home near Atlanta, Georgia, USA. Tunisian amateur Khalil Bozami, who met Faith Hanna, KD3Z, at the South Africa Yoda Camp in 2018, stopped by the Lee family home in Florida on Christmas Day to operate K8O. Well, that's pretty exciting stuff. Uh, I know we have a lot of Yoda kids that are part of our yacht group. 
and I know many of them have been active. One of my satellite friends, Ruth, was active, and I think probably a couple others in the AMSAT satellite community had activated some of those calls and uh, logging some contacts too. So it encompasses many aspects and modes of amateur radio communications, and it's great to hear some young people. By way of other news, this morning I'm very excited to announce that on January 28th, 2020, at 8 p.m., that's uh, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, Ted Randall of the QSO Live show on WTWW and I will be doing a co-podcast together. I'm going to be recording for my podcast, and he will be recording for his podcast, the QSO Live. Of course, his uh, podcast is going to be much longer than mine usually is. I think sometimes his uh, QSO Live Uh, episodes uh, go for a couple hours but uh, he's been following me and my podcast for uh, quite a while now and he says you've proven yourself to be very dedicated to what you're doing we want to help promote the digicom cafe and all you're doing so i'm really thrilled to do this uh, co-podcast together we'll be uh, sharing the same audio on both of our podcasts Uh, of course uh, it will be live on january 28th that'll be tuesday night and if you haven't already started listening to wtww I would highly recommend it. I, uh, of course, have their link here in our website, digicomcafe.com, and we always promote it through each of our podcasts. You, you'll always hear that. Very excited about what... Uh, I'm thrilled to be partnering with uh, Ted and Holly and family and what they're doing at WTWW. We share uh, many things in common, and you'll probably find out about that in this upcoming QSO Live on 5085 shortwave the big one wtww so i hope you put that on your calendars and join us this afternoon we have an interview lined up with uh, my friend michael n9ms and we're going to talk about mesh networking particularly as it relates to the new starlink constellation of satellites going up for broadband internet by spacex that whole constellation will be a mesh network and uh, it's kind of uh, awesome to think about the capabilities of what that mesh network will do so uh, come on back later on and uh, I think that interview will begin at one we should have that up and running here mid-afternoon enjoy this episode of Radio on the Rocks Many of you just know me as Denny J, the podcaster with the Digicom Cafe Radio on the Rocks podcast. But did you know I also have a side business? It's called Denny J Integrated Marketing and Communications, helping you tell your story a little bit at a time. And one of the ways that I do this is I provide a easy platform for you to create a beautiful, responsive website. I call it BitWeb. Not everyone is a designer, so we have a library of template themes for you to select from, or you could create one from scratch. Choose the perfect theme for your business. Quickly and easily build your site bit by bit. The bit in BitWeb is a themed horizontal stripe of content on your page that contains a variety of pieces, such as text, photos, videos, forms, etc., much like my website at digicomcafe.com. I built it on BitWeb, You too can quickly and easily add a bit from our selection of pre-designed stripes. Then edit, clone, move, and delete them to suit your fancy. BitWeb is just simple to use. 
Bit websites are responsive, meaning that they look good on any platform, desktop, tablet, or smartphone. And you can preview your page in any format before you publish it. BitWeb costs only $100 per year, per domain, including hosting with unlimited data and space. Just go to dennyj.com. BitWeb. Responsive and simple. BitWeb is a better WordPress. Start building your BitWeb site today, and let me help you tell your story a little bit at a time. Learn more at dennyj.com. That's D-E-N-N-Y-J, dennyj.com. Each one is different. A different day, a different time, a different elevation, different conditions, different users using different gear. What am I talking about? Amateur radio satellites. Hi, I'm Denny. And my ham call sign is K5DCC. That's Kilo 5 Delta Charlie Charlie, as they hear me on the bird. And now, stand by for my favorite pastime. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. At the five station, here's KI4ASK, Echo Mike 73. KI4SK, this is K5 Delta Charlie Charlie, Echo Mike 36. Got you, Delta Charlie Thank you. 
November 1, Papa Echo Bravo, K5 Delta Charlie, Charlie, Echo Mike 36. K5 Delta Delta Charlie, November 1, Papa Echo Bravo, Echo Lima 99. Correct, it's Delta Charlie, Charlie, thank you. Station ending in November, try it again, K5DCC. I got A on that time, uh, you got stamped on.
Kilo India 1 Golf, K5 Delta Charlie Charlie at the mic 36. Whiskey 5, Charlie Baker, Foxcar, K5, DCC, Echo Mary, 36. What's it, K5, DCC? Yeah, K5, Delta, Charlie, Charlie, Echo Mary, 36. QSI, K5, Delta, Charlie, in the sky. <laughs> if you love the music on WTWW, here's a new way for you to request your favorite song online. Just go to WTWW.us on your computer, tablet, or smartphone. Look to the top of the page for the word requests. Click it and you'll find all the instructions right there. Use the first letter of the name of the artist or group that you'd like to request a song. Instantly, you'll see a complete list of the songs available. Click the button next to the title that you want to hear and poof, it's magic. Your request will automatically go into that hour's playlist, subject to availability, or be automatically moved to the next hour. It's Space Age technology at its finest. Just like a great old vintage jukebox without those annoying coins. Your request will automatically go right into our playlist. No email or phone call required. A Selectomatic instant request page on WTWW.US. Selectomatic is a registered trademark of Seaberg Incorporated. Another leisure high-tech service of the big one. 5085-WTWW. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. Yeah, the five station. Here's KI4ASK, Echo Mike 73. KI4SK, this is KI4ASK, 
It's AO91. Gracias. 
Charlie Oscar and Terry Whiskey. Charlie Whiskey, November 1, Papa Echo Bravo, Portable, Echo Lima 99. Charlie Oscar, A Tango Whiskey, K5 Delta, Charlie, Charlie, Echo Mary 36. Charlie, Echo. Charlie Oscar. Foxtrot Hotel, Kilo Echo Mike 60. KB5 Foxtrot Hotel, November 1, Pop Echo Bravo, Echo Lima 99. Roger, Roger, Kilo Bill, KB5 Foxtrot Hotel, Kilo. Charlie, Oscar A, Tango Whiskey. This is K5 Delta, Charlie, Charlie, Echo Mary 36. Charlie, Charlie, Oscar A, Tango Whiskey, K5. Charlie Oscar H, Tango Whiskey, K5 Delta, Charlie, Charlie, Echo Mary 36. Delta Charlie, Charlie, up to Murray 36. KB5, Foxtrot, Kilo Hotel, K5, DCC, Echo Mary 36, thank you. Roger, Roger, KB5, Foxtrot, Hotel, Kilo. Echo, Echo, Charlie, Charlie, Kilo, Japan, 4, Echo, Uniform, Echo, Mike, 5, 6, Denny. Kilo, Japan, Kilo, Japan, 4, Echo, Uniform. Kilo, Japan, 4, Echo, Uniform, this is Alpha, India, 9, India, November, Echo, Mike, 7, 9. KJ4 EU, K5 DCC, QSL. November, November, 
the Digicom Cafe Communications Network, we're all about the power of voice. Did you know you could listen to this Cafe cast on your Echo Dot by simply asking Alexa to play Radio on the Rocks? I created this skill many months ago. I was looking for a way to do this very easily and quickly, and I ran across a very unique platform. 
It's called VoiceFlow. VoiceFlow is a wonderful platform that makes it easy to create powerful voice applications without any coding and faster than coding. There are many amazing tools out there to build voice apps, but their goal at VoiceFlow is to build the easiest, most powerful tool that gets as close to coding without needing to write a single line of code. So if you're interested in building your own Amazon skill for amateur radio, I suggest going to voiceflow.com and join their Facebook group, voiceflow.com. Welcome back. It's 4 p.m. in the afternoon, and you've probably had your fill of satellites. Let's start our little QSO here with Michael Sager, N9MS. MS, that reminds me of Mesh. His call is ideal for the topics he likes to discuss. So let's uh, let's get into this conversation with Michael for a while and, uh, and talk about the great Mesh network building in the sky, the Starlink system. Hey, welcome back home. Our, yes, our winter home. Your winter home, yeah. That's your home home, right? No, no. Our home home is in Wisconsin. That's what I meant. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. What am I talking about? <laughs> so did you leave all the snow and cold behind? We did. Although <laughs> it's, it, it still pre- gets pretty cool here in the mornings, but uh, warms up. It's in the... It's in the high six. It's well, probably middle sixties right now, but it's supposed to warm up to the high sixties today. Well, I bet you're loving that, huh? Yeah, we were. Uh, we spent Christmas in North Carolina visiting my son, and they had seventies. So uh, we had a nice warm Christmas. We came back to eight inches of snow in the driveway. I had to park out on the street and shovel my way. Yeah, I saw down. the pictures. Oh yeah. Yeah, reminds me of Minnesota, Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, we haven't talked for a while, and uh, I've kind of gone down a ra- another rabbit trail. I think you got my text. Um, yes, I did. I was going through my Twitter feed from the satellite group, and I stumbled across some tweets about the SpaceX Starlink system. And my goodness, did that uh, interest me. When I found out it was a mesh network with uh, potentially up to 42,000 satellites, I thought, holy mackerel. <laughs> 42, yeah, there's only like 2,000 up there right now. So Total, uh, there's, gonna... there's more than that, but there's uh, about 1,900 working satellites right now. And right now the Starlink system is the largest constellation at the moment with only a little over 100, maybe, I think maybe under 200, 180 maybe. They're gonna yeah, be, they got like 180. Yeah, they're going to be putting up uh, 120 a month all year. And I guess they've got licensing to do 12,000 and put in another request for another 30,000 for a total of 42,000. Can you fathom that? Oh, no. In fact, you know, my son is a uh, astrophotographer. Oh, boy, he's not happy. And, you know, they do like a 20-minute exposure. Yep. And in, in 20 minutes with, if you got... <laughs> Can you imagine? No. It, <laughs> it's, you know, I, I, I read that they're, they, they heard from these astrophotographers, and I don't know if it's on this current batch of satellites or on maybe the next batch of satellites they want to use some like non-reflective paint or something to right. try to uh, 
help those guys out. But I, I think there's going to be a lot of streaks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and the the sales, the I mean, the, their solar panels beautiful. are like sails that are up above them. So I imagine this, those uh, panels will reflect something, too. And I know they're concerned about painting them black because then it's going to get heating up from the sun, and that might affect their performance, too. So, yeah, it's a it's a problem. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure these astrophotographers are not going to like this one bit. Yeah. Well, from what I read recently, it sounds like the SpaceX folks are listening. They're very uh, obliging. They understand. They're not blowing them off or anything. And, of course, the astrophotographers are not sure that they're that sincere, if it's just, you know, smoke and mirrors or what. But there's going to be a lot of money in this. It's going to cost, uh, I guess, $10 billion to put up to 12000 but from what he'll make from that, it'll be well worth the investment. They're talking, I've seen anywhere from 60 to $120 billion a year in revenue. You know, they're, so, but, you know, they're going to have to sell these all over, the, all over the world. I mean, not just right. in the United States. And, you know, we're getting fiber. So we would, we're going to have no need for any kind of uh, satellite right. stuff. Although they say the satellites are supposed to be faster than fiber, especially over the long distances, like between uh, Europe and the U.S. for the stock market, the latency is going to be even less using their satellite system because it's uh, traveling in it's yeah it's light traveling in space versus going through glass. And you know the the question is, uh, are they going? How are they going to do it? Are they going to have their own ground-based systems and then distribute the signals via cable or something? Or is every house going to have some kind of uh, a satellite receiver? Right. And so they're going to have to switch from satellite to satellite to satellite because these things are whipping by uh Right. Thousands of miles an hour. I know it. Well, from what I understand, and I'm not that knowledgeable about it, and I'm not even sure they're putting out all the information on it, but uh, they are selling a unit. It's uh, going to be a roughly $200. It will have uh, apparently some kind of uh, antenna on the top. It'll have to be outside the house because it's going to be like 24 gigahertz, from what I understand. That won't go through a roof. And it'll be pointing up into the sky. Each of these satellites has got four phased array flat antennas that will automatically be able to be directed i don't understand how phased arrays work you know here i'm a ham and i don't know all that kind of stuff i should but anyway yeah, the whole idea is with a phased array you can change the direction without actually moving the antenna correct so, so you can track somehow a signal without actually moving the antenna like yeah. You know, like we would do the guys that are doing moon bounds or something like that. They're all moving their antennas. Right. Apparently, these base stations will then communicate with whatever satellite is the closest, and it's just going to be automatically switched. The satellites will communicate with one another, from what I understand, through laser, not radio. So it'll be using light, which will be extremely fast, and... I don't know. It's it's just a mind-blowing concept. And the fact that they've gotten approval, I mean, it was just railroaded through, no question, no debate. In fact, uh, the president had appointed some new guy in the FCC, apparently, that is kind of part and parcel to this whole industry. 
So he just said, ah, it's good, we're going to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it's money talks, you know. Sure, well, it does. Yeah, but I mean, what it's going to do is going to bring high-speed broadband internet to remote areas around the globe, including Arkansas. <laughs> we won't get any fiber here. I've got DSL, the uh, fastest speed we get on a good day is 4 megabits down. But that means I could buy one of these boxes for 200 bucks. You can even put one of these on your roof of your car. It's very low profile. So you could drive anywhere and have broadband internet with 5G. I mean, it's just mind-blowing. But now when you think about each satellite, because we've talked about mesh networking and how each node, and that would be each satellite, can have a service on it. Well, do you suppose they get cameras on these things? <laughs> well, and I don't know how big these things are because they in one launch, how many how many satellites are in one launch? It's well, like sixty or something. Yeah, they're stacked. They're the size of a desk, office desk, but they're kind of flat. Uh, so they're very low profile, and they stack them one on top of the other. And when they get it up in the right orbit, then they just pop the doors open and just gently lift, you know, eject them as one lump sum. And uh, over time, they slowly drift apart to the point. And they, it says they even bump into each other a little bit, which they were, they were designed to do. won't hurt them. But once they get far enough apart, then they activate them. And they've got this uh, special kind of engine using Krypton. It's a uh, ion, ion engine, I guess they call it. So then they will position themselves up in their proper orbits and get, it, get themselves where they're supposed to be. And I guess they turn them on. They start communicating with each other and... They're even tied in with NORAD so they can adjust their orbit to miss each other or miss any debris that's out there, which there's a half a million pieces of junk out there that the military is tracking. But when you think about the services that you add to a node on a mesh network, I'm thinking, if they have a camera on every one of these things, they could access any satellite to gain, to gain imagery, probably high-res imagery, of any place on the planet when it's all done live and see what's going on they could chase terrorists they could peek in our windows maybe okay, I don't like know. those tv shows where they they can command a satellite to take a real-time image of you know something right on the ground exactly so i don't know if you've uh, looked into this much if that uh concerns you or it excites you or you can imagine the opportunities you know being that we're already kind of into mesh networking it's just like wow wouldn't that be something and then you kind of wonder gee i wonder if they could uh do something for hams you know maybe we <laughs> could uh, buy in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wouldn't that be something can you imagine having that many satellites with ham radio stuff on it man <laughs> that's pretty incredible well, we'll see how they do they've they've had what just uh, they've just how many launches have they had now? Like three? Only three. They're going to be doing two a month from here on out, and they've been so successful. I mean, it's like then that first phase rocket ends up coming right back and landing, standing up on their little drone ships in the ocean. I mean, it's incredible what they're doing. You know, the, the first time I saw that, I thought that's Rocky Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my, how things change, huh? So talking about uh, services that you can add to a mesh network, uh, I'm sure we haven't tackled everything. We talked about cameras and and uh, SIP phone systems. Uh, what other kind of things would you creatively attach to a mesh network node? You know, the typical ones that you see are, like you said, video, 
different kinds of audio. So you've got uh, things like mumble. I know you uh, have your favorite one that you use. Um, Discord. And then, of course, there's right. And then there's the the IP telephones, which I walked into the house and my IP phone is ringing. Huh. Uh, you know, we just drove in from Wisconsin and the IP phone is ringing. Well, what it bottom line was is that apparently somebody called and somehow it it screwed up the phone and because uh, there was nobody there. I mean, there was just nobody there. So I hung up and the thing all of a sudden starts ringing again. Once again, there's nobody there. So I unplugged it, unplugged the Ethernet cable, unplugged the power, plugged it all back in. Immediately it starts ringing again. So hmm. apparently some, hmm. something happened to the phone and it died. So uh, I... I found another one on eBay for fifteen bucks. Another uh, Grandstream. Oh, those are nice. And that, yeah, I, I love that phone. It's because it's got two lines on it, and I've got one on the uh, what is that Hamshack uh, Hotline or whatever that's called. Yeah. Have you been using that? Uh, well, right before we left for because we we were here for a month, and uh, so right before we left, I had gotten it hooked up. And I, th- I think I made like one or two calls, and then we went back to Wisconsin. We just got back uh, uh, this last Saturday, so uh, haven't had a chance to use it very much. Sure. Well, if you look through the uh, directory, you'll see all kinds of groups on there, conferences that you could check into. In fact, I think some people even have nets or do emergency training on some of them. Of course, I've got mine. You could always dial up nine four zero zero five and be part of my network on All Star and Echo Link and DMR. And in fact, I think I even set up my my little PBX on my Raspberry Pi so that uh, I can have extensions on my phone that are just uh, IP addresses. Right, right. And, and uh, so I don't have to remember. Uh, 192.160 I don't have to remember right. a, a long IP address I just have to remember a three digit extension number Yeah. so uh, I tested that out with a couple of hams and uh, I didn't even know it could do it until I, I talked to this guy in New Jersey who's a real uh, PBX like asterisk yeah. expert yep. and he was telling me did you know you can do this did you know you can do this and it's like you know stop I, <laughs> I can't take it all in. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way it is with this mesh stuff, too. You just get started, and you get excited, and you start telling people. They can't get past the concept of mesh. That's <laughs> oh, uh, pretty fascinating. You know, I thought we were way out on the fringe with this mesh stuff, but uh, we really aren't in terms of real-world use. You know, I'm kind of hoping that uh, some of this mesh stuff will attract some of the younger people, too, that are that are into uh, to networking and uh, give them a chance to, uh, you know, try to hook up. Yeah. So, and, and there's, there's just so much to learn, you know, Mimo and CISO <laughs> that uh, screwed me all up when I first got into it and, you know, trying to aim a Mimo uh, radio at a CISO radio, you know, just wasn't working out too well. And then I found out why. So I'm, I'm, I'm learning a lot. The, uh, and here in Mesa, of course, every the first Saturday of every month, they have like a mesh workshop. Really? And it's, yeah, it's like all day. Wow. Well, it starts out like right around uh, lunchtime. 
and goes until like five o'clock. And, you know, we get uh, a dozen or so guys to these things and uh, just, uh, you know, sharing knowledge with, uh, you know, different aspects of mesh network. You know, someone will uh, give a, a, a short little presentation. It's like, wow, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. And I, pr- I imagine this probably more along the lines of the ubiquity equipment, not so much uh, what I'm doing with the Linksys. Right, right. In fact, they're they're kind of getting away from the ubiquity equipment now, and around here they are. Everybody's going to MicroTik. Huh. Uh, they've got uh, way more memory apparently than the ubiquity, and of course, the more memory you have, the the more services you can provide on a node. You can do more tunneling, uh, and you can provide other you know more services that require. Lots of memory, and I think they have a even a faster processor in them. So uh, hmm. there's a, a lot of the guys in, are kind of selling off their ubiquity equipment and uh, picking up this MicroTik stuff. Oh, I was just reading about these uh, about the uh, coating that they're going to put on these satellites. Uh huh. They're they're only going to coat one out of sixty. So oh, they're really? Not making- yeah, they're not making the astrophotographers real happy with that ratio. I suppose they have to experiment with it a little bit and see, you know, monitor a few of them and see what happens with the black coating if they overheat. Right, right. Yeah, I suppose that if they did it to all of them and it put them out of business, that wouldn't be good. Yeah. Well, I imagine another thing that they have in each one of these nodes is obviously APRS of some kind in 3D space. That's how they need to track where they're at so they don't hit themselves or other things. And that uh, ability to be part of a mesh network where everybody knows where everybody's at is pretty cool. Yeah, it said that they, um, they're really worried about you know having dead satellites. So they've, these things have got to be really, really, really reliable yep. because... Uh, they don't, you know, they don't want to add to any space junk up there. No. These guys are brilliant, and it's it's really interesting what uh, Elon Musk has done to finance this and to hire some of the most brilliant engineers and scientists and just set them free to imagine and dream and turn them loose. I mean, look at NASA. When was the last time NASA had a launch? And look at what these guys are doing. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, the first time I saw that reusable thing just come down and land like Rocky Jones, uh, I was blown away. <laughs> yeah. So you can't do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, that's only in sci-fi. Yeah. You know, so much sci-fi has become real. I know it. But once it lands, it's not done yet. I mean, you're out there in a rolling sea. You'd think the thing would tip over just from that thing. Tip over. <laughs> bouncing. I know. I know. Crazy. Of course, maybe those little uh, three legs that go down, maybe they're always adjusting themselves to compensate for the roll in the sea. I don't know. Anyway, well, I just was curious to see if you had uh, researched this and what your thoughts are on that kind of a mesh network. I'm sure you're going to be watching it closely now. Oh, I am. So what have you been doing with your own mesh network these days? Have just been busy traveling? Just been busy traveling. Man, we've... uh... Yeah, went out to North, like I said, we went out to North Carolina, came back, went out to Iowa, see the little new grandbaby, and then uh, came out here. So, uh, haven't been, I was 
so I fired up my little uh, SDR last night just to see what was on 40 meters and 20 meters. Like, nothing. Yeah. I, today it's been really dead. No, I was on, I, tr- I called CQ on, on 20 and 40 meters uh, FT8. And uh, I'm not making very many contacts. I know I'm getting out because if I go to the PSK reporter map, I see that I'm getting out all over the United States. I I, huh. I didn't get any reports uh, outside of the United, you know the continental United States with my uh, 50 watts. So I don't know. I may have to get an amplifier. <laughs> well, if FT8 and, is bad, then you know we're in trouble. <laughs> I know. I I heard I could on the water. Well, on the uh, on the pan adapter, I could see like three uh, CW stations. So I thought, well, maybe I'll make a CW contact huh. and. Uh, have you done Whisper? I have done, I have done Whisper. I think I told you about it, uh, where I bought a, uh, a this little Raspberry oh, Nano, yeah. and with a filter board, and ran it overnight. And then this was, uh, I think, a couple years ago when the conditions were pretty good, and uh, I made well, you, you don't really make a contact, but. I got reports from uh, all over the world with just uh, whatever the thing was running. I mean, just a few uh, milliwatts. Yeah. You got a black helicopter coming overhead? Yeah. <laughs> it's the Apaches. They're <laughs> yeah, it, looks, it sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, just flying overhead. <laughs> we don't that... live that far from the uh, Sky Harbor Airport. Oh, okay. Yeah, that thumping was uh, reminding me when they come over our mountains down here, too. Well, very cool. Well, it's good to touch base with you again. Uh, we probably uh, tapped all we can talk about on the, the mesh stuff. I sure have enjoyed your jumping in from time to time like this and talking about it, keeping the mesh idea alive and hopefully get some people interested in it. Yeah, today I was just trying to do some old-fashioned stuff. I've got my little Bofang HT. And there are two stations here that have Echo Link, and both of them are broken. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, you know, when everything's broken, you can always go to satellite. I had two passes of satellites today and made several contacts, half a dozen contacts, and they just keep on coming no matter what. And I still haven't tried DMR. Come on. Really? Uh, no, I just I keep trying to talk myself into it. You don't have a, keep... Do you have a hotspot? No, no, oh, I have. Oh man, I've, I've got, got a, I've got one for sale if you're interested. Analog, I'm, I'm, I seem to be an analog guy. Well, I've been doing a little bit of analog lately too, getting back into analog repeaters with our, uh, our repeater linked repeater network <laughs> here in Northwest Arkansas. And uh, tonight, in fact, I'm going to a club meeting here for the North Arkansas Amateur Radio Society, and going to try and help build the club up and get more activity on the uh, analog repeater that they have and slowly introduce them to some of the digital stuff. So it's been kind of fun to go back to some of the analog stuff. I was at our club meeting on Monday. We had like 42 guys at our club meeting. You got a good club. Yeah, yeah. It's mostly snowbirds. Yeah. But uh, we have a good time. Anyway, one of the guys said, hey, I brought my DMR HT. Uh, how do I talk to, you know, 
this, you know, I, I want to, what repeater should I, should I be on? And the guy says, well, get on talk group, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it is. And he says, well, okay, but what frequency do I have to be on? And it was like going over some people's head, like, no, you just get on this talk group. Yeah. And he said, but I, I don't have a, how, like, how are you guys doing it? And the guy said, well, I've got a hotspot. He said, well, I don't have a hotspot. All I, I got to rely on, you know, your repeaters. So can't you give me a frequency? And nobody could give him a frequency. Right. <laughs> Every, all people know on uh, this DMR stuff, they, they seem to know talk groups, but right. they don't know frequencies. Right. And uh, so I thought it was kind of funny that. Uh, well, if you guys want to do something said, local that doesn't require a repeater, I mean, a lot of people are doing uh, VHF, UHF simplex stuff. If you had a bunch of you that had DMR radios, just use your VHF, UHF antennas and have a simplex frequency. Everybody program your radio for the same frequency. And you uh -huh. s you'd set it as like talk group nine. Everybody would create a contact in their digital list for talk group nine or talk group two or whatever for local. And just communicate simplex with, with one another. You'd actually get out farther than analog. Plus it would be clearer the the quality does not change and you have a greater distance that it will go so you know if you get far away with analog it starts getting noisy and hissy and not full quieting but not so with the dmr digital it'll be just as clear at the end of the uh distance as in the beginning and that makes it pretty pretty neat so yep i maybe by the end of the winter i'll finally have gotten into uh dmr well, if you need any help, I'd be glad to help you out. Okay, well, that'll be good because I'll probably need some help yeah. because it's all mumbo-jumbo to me. Yeah, well, I don't know if you guys in your club ever do uh, uh, bringing in a guest or something for a little presentation. We could use, yeah, they do. Well, we could use Skype for that. In fact, uh, the Bella Vista Club here in Northwest Arkansas wants to bring me in as a presenter for their club meeting. They've got a big club, 150 people, and so... Uh, if you want me to do a little presentation on DMR and what you guys can do even without a repeater, I can I'd be glad to jump in and help you out. Okay, well let me uh we'll we'll talk this up and uh, I know they're looking for present presenters. Yeah. So uh and if I might, I would mind using you as a presenter for mesh networking for our club. Oh, that could be fun. Cuz I bet you already have some kind of a PowerPoint or something, don't you? Oh sure, sure. But yeah, if I can okay. help, if I can help you guys out, do a presentation for uh, any type of thing, I'd be glad to help you out. All right, great. Thank you very much, Michael. Seventy-three. Have a wonderful week. Okay, you too. Keep your eye in the sky. Watch for those Starlink trains. I will. All right. Bye bye. Today's daily devotional is entitled, Search Me, Deuteronomy 31.16 reads, And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you will rest with your fathers, and this people will rise and play the harlot with the gods of the foreigners of the land, where they go to be among them, and they will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. This is not only the sad commentary of Israel's future rebellion against God once again, but it's also a true statement that is still applicable to us today. How often we turn to other gods forsaking our commitment to the Lord. We trust our own wisdom, money, status, and put others in the place where God belongs in our lives. God told Moses that in his anger he would hide his face from them, but he does not say that he will forsake them.
Although his anger is kindled, his love and mercy remain. Psalm chapter 30 verse 5 says, For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Psalm 103.8 also says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Until today, we see the consequences of Israel's rebellion against God and rejection of the Messiah. And rejection of the Messiah. However, God is still faithful to His promise that they remain His people and that one day He will deliver them. As a matter of fact, God tells us in Romans 11 that Israel's rebellion and blindness is in part for our benefit and our salvation. In turn, the mercy God is showing us in bringing salvation to us is also the mercy He will have on them in the end. God's mercy will go full circle. This is exactly what we are seeing in this chapter of Deuteronomy. Although God is announcing to Moses that he will hide his face from Israel, he is also giving him a way for Israel to be reminded of God's goodness to them. In verses 19 through 21, God says this to Moses, Now therefore write this song for yourselves and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths, so that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. When I have brought them to the land flowing with milk and honey, of which I swore to their fathers, and they have eaten and filled themselves and grown fat, then they will turn to other gods and serve them, and they will provoke me and break my covenant. Then it shall be, when many evils and troubles have come upon them, that this song will testify against them as a witness, for it will not be forgotten in the mouths of their descendants, for I know the inclination of their behavior today, even before I have brought them to the land of which I swore to give them." See, despite knowing they will turn from him, he still brings them into the land he promised them. The purpose of this song is to remind Israel that they are the ones that have forsaken God, not God forsaking them. It was a reminder to them that God was good to them, yet they turned their back on him. It was a reminder to them that they had no one to blame but themselves. However, it also served as a way to convict their hearts and turn them back to Him. This is where we see God's love and mercy. Today, as born-again believers, as God's children, He has given us His Word. The Holy Spirit, who indwells us, uses the Scriptures to remind us of God's goodness to us. He uses them to remind us that God does not turn His back on us. He does not forsake us, as we know from Hebrews 13.5, but it is our own rebellion that causes us to feel that God is far from us, when in reality, He is always near. And just like God did with Israel, He reminds us in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through chapter 2, verse 1, that we can repent, confess, and come back to Him. Jesus reminded us in the story of the prodigal son that our Heavenly Father not only waits for our return, but runs to meet us when we do. And we know this from uh, Luke chapter 15, 11 through 32. What gods are we entertaining in our lives? What pet sin or sins are we holding on to? Today, let us ask God to show us what we are harboring in our hearts that we should be giving over to Him. Let us go to the Lord right now and say to Him as King David, a man after God's own heart, said to Him in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, and know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Today, God extends an invitation to you to accept His free gift of salvation. Will you accept it? Anyone who calls on Jesus by faith and repentance, confessing your sins, will receive eternal life. Do not put off calling on Him and receive Him in His free gift of salvation today. Thank you for visiting and listening to this radio on the Rocks Cafe cast. This podcast can be heard on Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher apps, plus the embedded anchor.fm widget at digicomcafe.com. 
You can also listen to all of our cafe casts on your Amazon devices by asking Alexa to play radio on the rocks. Now, please stand by for a word from one of our sponsors. Is there somebody that you know that's trying to get their ham ticket? Trying to ham test online. It's easy. There's no drudgery to it. There's no dread to it. And right now you can get the technician exam study guide that's normally $29.95. And right now during this sale price, it's only $19.95. That's right. That's the technical study guide for the tech license for ham test online. Now, let them log in to HamTest Online and let them follow the program study guide. They'll get their ticket in a matter of a few days. Right now, the price is reduced to $19.95. So get online. And if you've already got all of your tickets, then ham it forward by buying this study program for someone who's trying and wants to get into ham radio. HamTestOnline.com. That's hamtestonline.com. 